I love a good mystery, and so does everyone else. In fact, everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey. I know that our listeners will absolutely love this game because you are uncovering the mystery of June's sister's murder, and you're becoming a detective. You're looking for clues, and each scene will lead you to a new thrilling storyline. This is a great way to engage your observation skills to uncover key pieces of information that lead you on to many chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. Right now, I'm in the process of interviewing family members, and this is bringing me back, just so you know, to my days in law enforcement, and I'm having such a blast with it because it is so much more lighthearted, but it also has the mystery of where will this take me? You can even chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. Megan, I think we should join a detective club together. We've got this. (laughs) Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This podcast contains sensitive topics and discussions. Listener discretion is advised. A girl with dwarfism is adopted by a family who claims that she was really an adult trying to scam them. Was this a woman exploiting a family or just a girl in need of a loving home? This is the Natalia Grace story. Good morning, Megan. Morning. How are you today? How I usually am in the mornings. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully this episode will perk you up because today's case recommender is somebody very special to both of us. More special to you probably, but very special to me. Any ideas? Oh my gosh. I'm like, who is this? <laughs> um, more special to me. Uh, James. Wow, oh, that's... <laughs> I was going to say Michelle. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, gosh. Terrible. Yes. Our producer. So we're the voices of this podcast, but the man behind all of the magic here is James. He's our producer, our editor, and he brought me this case. If you recall, Megan, he actually texted it to both of us, but you were sleeping. And as I said, the early bird gets the worm. I do remember this and it did annoy me because I woke up and you had already claimed the case. And it's so interesting. It's such an interesting case. And the reason why I really like it is because it's one of those cases that reminds us that there are two sides to any story. There's also a documentary about this case. And that's how I got wind of it because James sent us the trailer. I'm sure by now a lot of you have at least heard of the curious case of Natalia Grace. I had it on my queue. My mother had told me about it and then I had it up. I was waiting. The moment it came out, I was on it. I knew you were covering the case, but I couldn't wait. Yeah. So I wrote this episode and then heard of the documentary. So then we decided to put the episode on hold until I could watch the documentary. So I was able to go back and edit the case with the new information. 
But I did hear that they're coming out with yet another documentary where Natalia will have the stage. Now, we're recording this late summer 2023, so the documentary may be coming out any day now. But at this point, Megan, I need to just do this case. And if there's new information that comes out once we hear Natalia on the new documentary, then we would love to hear from you and let's talk about it. I have a feeling we'll be talking about this for a while. Yeah, I know that you said you loved the documentary, but... I actually didn't feel the same. I felt that it was pretty sensational and it was six episodes, I believe. And I think it could have been done probably in half of that. So when I said I loved it, I didn't mean like I thought it was the best documentary. I just it was just a side that I had not heard. I was so Mm -hmm. floored. I was so it was shocking. So I think that's why I was just into it. But no, I agree with you. I think it was sensationalized and I think it could have been definitely shorter. Yeah, so I think overall it was very one-sided, but luckily they are going to be exploring the other side as well. But I think today's story in general is one of those cases that reminds us that there are two sides to any story. Oh, yeah. And whatever narrative you believe, this case is tragic and there are many victims either way. So I think it's important to talk about. At this point, I think we should just discuss both sides of the story and leave it to our listeners to decide what they believe. Sure. All right, so let's meet Natalia Grace, who this story centers around. While we don't know for sure the exact details of Natalia's birth or her young upbringing, this will become a pivotal part of her story later. Natalia was born in Ukraine. Unfortunately, she was born with a rare type of skeletal dysplasia. Now, this is a genetic disorder that often presents at birth and results in a short stature and skeletal abnormalities that often affect the spine and the long bones of the legs and arms. It's what's known as a form of dwarfism, and unfortunately, it often leads to many other issues, such as vision and hearing issues. Natalia specifically also suffered from clubbed feet, severe scoliosis, and she dealt with hip issues as well. Now, I don't know the specifics about her parents' situation, but at only a month old, they were no longer able to care for her. So on October 3rd, 2003, Natalia's parents placed her in an orphanage in Ukraine. And she would spend a few years in this orphanage before being placed in the Ukrainian foster system, where she lived with dozens of different families. And Megan, this would go on until 2008. And that is when she was brought to the U.S. as part of an adoption program. So if we go by the birth certificate date, Natalia would be five years old at this time. Okay. This is so sad. This poor child had been passed around during these formative years. So I'm imagining that the reason that she had so many homes is probably because the families might not have been equipped or willing to handle these medical issues, which seemed pretty severe. Yeah, we don't have much information, except she was initially adopted by a family in New Hampshire when she came to the U.S., but things didn't work out. And some reports say it's because she didn't get along with the family's biological children. But I think it's very likely, as you suggest, that perhaps the family just wasn't able to provide a home for her considering what she needed in order to thrive. Right. As I said, this is a really sad start for this child to be given back to an adoption agency after being placed with a family that must have been really tough. But in the spring of 2010, things seemed to be looking up for Natalia. She would find a new home in Indiana with adoptive parents Michael Patrick Barnett and Christine Elizabeth Pearson. Now, this couple already had three boys and they were a religious family. And one of their boys was born with autism and was highly gifted. And this was their oldest child. 
In fact, he was a sophomore in high school at the young age of 13. The family, as I mentioned, they were religious. They were very well off financially, very involved in their church and the community. And back in 2000, Christine founded a place called Jacob's Place, which is a program for children with autism. And she would also find great success as an author and a motivational speaker. She authored a book titled The Spark, A Mother's Story of Nurturing Genius. And this tells the story about her oldest son, who was both autistic and brilliant. Mm. Now, I just want to read you the book's Google narrative just to get a feel for what this book was about. Okay. Quote, Christine Barnett's son, Jacob, has an IQ higher than Einstein's, a photographic memory, and he taught himself calculus in two weeks. At nine, he started working on an original theory in astrophysics that experts believe may someday put him in line for a Nobel Prize. And at age 12, he became a paid researcher in quantum physics. But the story of Christine's journey with Jake is all the more remarkable because his extraordinary mind was almost lost to autism. At age two, when Jake was diagnosed, Christine was told that he might never be able to tie his own shoes. (laughs) Just to give you a feel for this book and this family. Well, they were quite wrong about that. And I'd just like to point out how amazing this is. By the way, I've never even taken calculus, so... I think you said calculus at either nine or 12 in like two weeks. At 12, he was a paid researcher in quantum physics. It's extraordinary. He's very extraordinary. And he actually has some TED Talks that you can watch online. Oh, okay. Brilliant boy. So some might ask, you know, why would a couple with three boys, one who's a genius and a family who's doing very well, why would they want to adopt a little girl from Ukraine? It's because Christine had some trouble with her pregnancies and she was advised against having more biological children. However, she had always wanted a large family. So the couple would often foster children in their home. Okay. They also felt that their family wasn't complete without a daughter. And before they found Natalia, they were actually in the process of adopting a little girl from Haiti. But unfortunately, it had fallen through. Okay. And this left the family devastated. So they were very happy when they received a call from an adoption agency in Florida. Now, this was a strange call, and it was somewhat out of the blue and seemed quite urgent. You see, the agency said that they had a child that had been returned to them, and she needed a new home quickly. Now, they were told that Natalia was six or seven years old. And the reason I say six or seven is there are conflicting reports. Some say six and some say seven. And so if she was born in 2003, this is 2010, so she would be seven, pretty much. Yes. At this point... The discrepancy is but a few months. Okay. They weren't given much information. They were told that Natalia was a seven-year-old girl who had been born in the Ukraine in 2003, and she had been abandoned by her foster family. They also told the family that she had a health condition that required a bit of extra care and attention. The agency said that Natalia was desperate for a loving home and that the Barnett family had only 24 hours to decide if they would be taking the child or not. Whoa. That's off. 24 hours. That's a big red flag already. I agree. I mean, the fact that they got the call out of the blue, I think red flag number one, the sense of urgency, red flag number two, make a decision in 24 hours, red flag number three. I wouldn't think it was that off if they were asking for a foster family, right? Because those are often emergency Mm -hmm. placement situations. But adoptive family, yeah, that is not right. Yeah. And the family was hesitant. But as I mentioned, they were very religious. So they took this as a sign because the other adoption had fallen through with a little girl from Haiti. 
So they decided this was their chance and they needed to help this little girl. Okay. They did admit, however, that the process was a bit strange. It wasn't like any of their experiences in the past with fostering or adopting. Normally, there would be a long vetting process. Mm -hmm. You would meet the child on different occasions. In this situation, when they got to this adoption agency, which they describe as being in a strip mall, and it just seemed strange to them. Natalia came in the room right away and it was just like, here's this child. Let's sign the papers. Let's go. But again, the family felt that her coming to them was fate, and they felt that the least they could do would give Natalia a loving and stable home, something that, unfortunately, the little girl had never had before. Almost immediately, however, Christina and Michael began questioning Natalia and who she really was. First, they suspected that Natalia was much older than the seven years that the adoption agency claimed that she was. I understand that she has a medical condition, dwarfism, but why would they suspect that she was older? What were they observing? Okay, so there'd be a few different things. So shortly after her arrival, Christine was giving her a bath and noticed that she had full pubic hair. You know, at eight or nine, this could be normal. At seven years old, this is a little young. Some girls do start puberty as early as eight. But I think it's possible that maybe her medical conditions led to early onset puberty. I don't know. They also said that she had adult teeth. They also said that Natalia spoke like an adult and she was never interested in age-appropriate toys or games or playing with children in her own age bracket. Again, this could just be a child who's mature beyond her years. I just want to point out, as anecdotally, that if you recall, I've said this many times, I was very mature. Mm -hmm. And if you're an only child and if you are yep. passed around a lot, you might develop independent tendencies. So that's a good point. Just devil's advocate. Later, Michael would claim that the couple found out that Natalia was also hiding a menstrual cycle. And this is really sad to me because if this girl was, in fact, going through puberty like and to not have any support and have to hide it, I find that really sad. But for them, they took this as a sign that she was likely much older than the adoption agency says she was. I can't say I would blame them for that because that is quite young for a menstrual cycle. I'm sure it's happened, but I would say if they observe that is a red flag for them. Yep. The Barnetts also say that the adoption agency had not fully disclosed Natalia's medical needs. Now, according to them, the agency had told them that Natalia had trouble walking but in reality, Natalia's mobility was so bad that she needed to be carried most of the time, as explained by Natalia herself. So she would ask the family to carry her from place to place quite often. So the Barnetts tell a story of a day at the beach when Natalia wanted to be carried to the ocean. And Christine had told her to wait a minute. And according to Christine, Natalia, rather than waiting, Natalia ran into the water and everyone was very surprised because... They didn't think she was able to run. Mm -hmm. Again, these are all just little anecdotes mm -hmm. that Christine and Michael provide to build this narrative that Natalia is not actually who she says she is. So they thought maybe the agency was lying about her medical condition. But either way, the couples say that it caused some pause for them. So they decided that, and this was after the beach incident, they decided that they would have Natalia examined by a doctor. And at this point, she was given a bone density test. Now, they wanted to see if their suspicions were true. Was Natalia, in fact, older than they believed her to be? And I think this is the right move. Bring her to a doctor. Let the experts yeah. tell you what's really going on. Agreed. Now, the test results suggested that Natalia was actually eight years old, which was only slightly older than the agency had said, right? Not a huge discrepancy. 
But another doctor the family took her to two years later said that Natalia was 11. And some reports even say 14. This is where things get a little bit confusing because there's varying reports. But at this point, everything is within a few years. So it says 11, it says 14. They're still within the same range. There's not this massive discrepancy. I don't know much either about bone density tests, but I imagine they have some variability. I would imagine it's Mm -hmm. not, you can't say with a bone density test, she is exactly eight years old. I would think there's probably a range. Yes, I would agree. But Megan, Christine and Michael said that even after these doctor visits, they truly believe that Natalia was even older. In fact, they believe they had adopted an adult, not a child at all. Now, this is shocking to me. They're claiming that this supposed child that they adopted was, in fact, an adult who was pretending to be a child. Do they have any proof? I don't even remember this, but do they have any evidence? Was there a doctor, someone who said she was an adult? Right before we get to that, I have one more piece because to make matters worse, the Barnetts said that Natalia also started to become very violent. And these are some serious accusations. Christine claimed that Natalia had threatened to stab the family in their sleep and that she once poured bleach in Christine's coffee. Another time, Michael says he was awoken in the middle of the night to Natalia standing over him with a knife. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Christine says, quote, she would make statements and draw pictures saying she wanted to kill the family members, roll them up in a blanket and put them in the backyard. This is extreme. This is really extreme. This is very extreme. And if these claims are true, they did the right thing because they immediately sought psychiatric treatment for Natalia. Mm -hmm. And between 2010 and 2012, Natalia underwent medical and psychological evaluations at Marion County facilities. And this is all according to court documents. A lot of what we know is just according to Michael or Christine, but court documents do reveal this fact to be true. Okay. And while she was there, she was diagnosed with mental illnesses. The actual diagnoses have not been made public, to my knowledge. And this is likely because of documents that are protected by patient-doctor privileges. Some reports go as far as to say that Natalia admitted to a doctor that she was indeed an adult and that she was scamming the Barnett family into taking care of her. But again, this is all hearsay because we do not have these documents. I'm not sure I believe that claim either, just so you know. Now, this next part is, I think, the part where everyone is going to have to rewind and say, wait, what? (laughs) Okay. Okay. Ready for this, Megan? Sure. In 2012, the couple petitioned Marion County Probate Court to have Natalia's age legally changed to 22. Now, this would change her birth year from 2003 to 1989. And the Barnetts won. Natalia was now legally an adult. How? Exactly. We did say earlier that there were a few doctors that said she may have been a few years older than the agency claimed, but I see nothing to suggest a 14-year age difference. And while the court, at minimum, had an affidavit from a doctor, 
who said that she was in fact this age. I still am unclear as to what evidence the doctor was using to make these claims. So I still question it. But either way, this is going to have huge implications because after officially changing Natalia's birth year, the Barnetts set her up with an apartment and she was no longer part of their family because she was now legally an adult, which means she would also get federal disability benefits and social services. And in 2013, she was essentially left to fend for herself while the family got ready to move to Canada. How long had she been with the family then? We think she's been with them maybe two to three years. Is that correct? She'd been with the family about two years at this point. All right. So she's declared an adult. Are they planning to move to get away from her? Or was there a a different impetus for their move? That's a good question. So at this point, their son, Jacob, the one who's a genius, he was Mm -hmm. now 15 years old and they wanted to move to Canada so that he could enroll in a very prestigious program in engineering that was at a college in Canada. Okay. So they moved and they set Natalia up in this apartment. However, shortly after, Michael returned to Indiana because him and Christine would be going through a divorce. Oh, do we know why they were divorcing? No, I mean, maybe it was the stress of dealing with the situation or... Maybe, as some might say, there are some mental health issues on on either side. If I remember in the documentary, too, there was infidelity by Christine that seemed to be substantiated. Yep. Some reports will deny those claims. But yeah, some reports say that Christine cheated. Okay. And also, there are many people that would say Christine was suffering from mental health issues. But Michael also may have been dealing with his own problems. If you watch the documentary, yes. you can draw your own conclusions. Okay. So meanwhile, Natalia got evicted from her apartment in 2014. Now, we can't say for sure what led to this, but the documentary did reveal that some neighbors may have been scared of her. Perhaps she couldn't keep up with the payments. If she was, in fact, a child, that might have been difficult for her, even though she was getting government support. If she is, in fact, a child, it's still hard to navigate that whole system and to pay your bills on time. Yeah. So, Amy, I'm not sure how much truth there is to this, but I recall in the documentary, it was reported that Natalia was also going over to her neighbor's houses and asking for food and then at some point sneaking in and taking food or other items. This could all be possible. But again, there's two sides to every story, Mm -hmm. right? And Natalia didn't share her side of the story. So yes, you're right. One side does allege that happened. But if she was, in fact, a child, yeah. maybe she was just hungry and scared and oh, yeah. looking for help. I don't know. Oh, I was going to point that out. If she's a child yeah. and she can't walk, she can't do certain things. She probably was just hungry and mm-hmm. scared and needed basic needs, basically. Yeah. If she's a you know child. And lucky for her, there was a couple that lived nearby, Antoine and Cynthia Manns, who would end up taking Natalia under their wing. And in fact, in 2016, they petitioned to become her legal guardians. However, that would require restoring Natalia's original birth date back to 2003. And when the Barnetts found out about all this, they filed an objection and Natalia's date of birth was never officially changed. So even though Natalia lived with the Mans and the Mans had five other children, as long as her birth year was set at 1989, Natalia was legally an adult who didn't need supervision. So the mans were not her guardian because you can't be a guardian to an adult, but they were taking care of her unofficially. Okay. The mans truly believed that Natalia was a 13-year-old girl 
and she had been left to fend for herself. Right. So with all of this back and forth, the police end up getting involved and an investigation began. And the big question here, of course, was did the Barnett family leave a child alone and move to Canada? Because if they did, this would, of course, be child abandonment. Very serious charges. Yes. And in September of 2019, prosecutors did deem that the Barnetts neglected Natalia. And this is where things got a bit messy. There were eight counts of neglect of a dependent. While the court said she was not a child legally at this time, because the court themselves said she was not a child, Mm -hmm. they said that it was because of her health condition that she required care. So that's why it's neglect of a dependent, not child abandonment. Right. But in their media interviews, both Michael and Christine claim that from the very first days that Natalia was with them, they believed that she was not a child. They went as far to say that Natalia conned them by using her dwarfism to pretend to be a child when in fact she was an adult. While waiting for court proceedings, Christine Barnett was released on September 19, 2019. And this was after posting a $5,500 bond. And her ex-husband was also released after posting $5,000 bail. Meanwhile, Natalia finally went public with her side of the story for the first time. Because up until 2019, the narrative was all from the Barnetts. And again, the Barnetts said Natalia was a con artist and a liar and an adult. Right. But now finally we could hear the other side. And this is when Natalia and the family she was saying with the mans, they went on the Dr. Phil show. And they claim that Christina and Michael's version of the story was not at all true. And Natalia flatly denied that she was an adult scam artist. Now, she had her own test results and she revealed a bone density test that showed that she had, in fact, been eight years old in 2010. In other words, it showed that although she may have been a little bit older than the agency had told the Barnetts, she was nowhere near an adult woman. Right. Natalia also began explaining away some of the situations that the Barnetts revealed. For example, if you recall, Christine said that Natalia poured bleach in her coffee. Natalia said that was not true. In fact, she recalls the time where maybe she had a bottle of cleaning solution and it was near the coffee cup. So maybe it looked like she was pouring. She says she did go into the parents' room at night when she had nightmares, but she denied ever having a knife. The Barnetts also said that she tried to harm their sons by throwing various items in the street, like one of the son's beloved stuffed animal. Natalia denies ever doing that. Mm -hmm. The Barnetts said that she once tried to push Christine into an electric fence. Natalia said they were hiking once or they were at a farm and she tripped and lost her footing and landed by Christine and she misconstrued that as being pushed. So basically, Natalia, on this segment, Natalia tries to give her side of the story. Now we have both Natalia speaking out and we have the Barnetts speaking out. But if you recall... The charges against the Barnetts are still pending. Remember, they're out on bail. Right. But shortly after this, a judge issued a gag order for, and both parties had to go quiet. And we see this happening sometimes. This is when a judge prohibits anyone involved in a pending trial from publicly discussing a case. Right. And this is just to ensure a fair trial and to prevent the jury pool from being tainted. Because you have both sides that are pretty much telling the jury their sides of the story while this case is pending trial. Yeah. So on October 24th, 2022, after many delays, the trial against Michael began. 
During the trial, Natalia did testify. And at this point, Natalia was either 19 or 33, depending on who you believed. But regardless of her age, she testified that she was basically abandoned. She was left by herself, unable to cook or clean or wash her clothes. She also says the apartment was on a second floor and she had trouble climbing the stairs. She talked about how the mans took her in and essentially saved her life. Michael and Christine were not tried together because you're saying Michael's trial. So they were severed. Yep. That's a good question. They were. And I, although they were separated and divorced at this time, they still both were telling the same story and supportive of each other. No one's throwing each other under the bus at this point. Okay. Michael Barnett's case would ultimately go to trial, and he was found not guilty by a jury in 2022. But this is interesting because the jury could not hear something very central to the defense's case. And what is that? That was the debate or the discrepancy on her age. So what the jury heard was abandonment charges of an adult. They weren't even made aware that she might have actually been a child. The interesting thing is when she was with the Barnett family, they dressed her like an adult in some pictures. As we said, though, Michael Barnett was acquitted of all charges. And shortly after, in March of this year, 2023, Christine Barnett had all of her charges dismissed. Right. So despite the trial and its outcome, Christine Barnett remains adamant that Natalia is not only a full-fledged adult, but also a dangerous sociopath who also has been conning the mans. I just want to point out, I think that we would have been looking at a very different outcome for Michael's trial if the jury knew about the age discrepancy. I 100% agree with you. Okay. That is no doubt. Okay. You know, this was a very interesting story, and this Discovery ID documentary got so much hype, and this trailer was published months before the show came out, and it shows Michael breaking down and crying and screaming while discussing abuse claims. Now, the documentary talked about how it would have bombshell interviews with members of Natalia's adopted family, such as Michael and his son, Jacob. And there were also legal experts, friends and neighbors. But I felt like there was a lot of hype and I did expect a bombshell. But let me ask you, Megan, watching that documentary, to me, it seems like the biggest, quote, bombshell was that Michael's insinuation that Christine was abusive. I also thought the biggest bombshell was Michael himself. (laughs) He was pounding the floor. He was not what I expected. And I had serious concerns about his own mental health after I watched the documentary. So maybe that was a bombshell for me. Um, But it wasn't in terms of anything revealed in terms of Natalia. It was more about the Barnett's were the, you know, the bombshells. Yes. And I feel awful for Jacob. Clearly, there's something going on in that family, Yeah, whether it's physical abuse, emotional abuse, undiagnosed mental health issues. There's just a lot. And I almost felt like the documentary was like exploiting the Barnett family and almost like making a show of how maybe unstable some of the members of that family are. Amy, I don't know about you either. I am a horror movie buff. This whole case for me was reminiscent of the movie The Orphan. In which his family adopts a child. They don't realize that she's an adult. She is a murderer. It's a crazy story. 
Um, so I thought of that initially, but I will say my opinion has changed a bit, kind of journey and evolution of the storytelling and as more information has come out. I've not seen The Orphan because, you know, that's not my brand of cinema. Yep. But it is based on real life events of a woman who posed as a 13 year old boy in Norway. So that is actually based on a story. But the problem is with movies like that are, of course, mm-hmm. become fictionalized, although based on a true story, it's it becomes sensational for this, you know, for the big screen. But sure. this becomes a better story for the media to spin if this child was, in fact, an adult. And I think the media very unfairly portrayed Natalia as this person. And I'd like to point out this is why I'll be teaching media and crime, not this fall, but in the spring. As my department chair, I just want you to be aware that that's going on the schedule (laughs) in the spring. But yes, unfair media depictions. Yeah, and I think you should talk about this case as one of the cases you highlight. I will, trust me. Now, this begs the question, Megan, what do you think? How old do you think Natalia is? Do you think she is possibly older, but she was misinformed? Or was she scamming the family, knowing well that she was an adult but posed as a child? What do you think? And I think we have to go with what the evidence shows. At this point, all I've seen is the Barnetts had one doctor declare Natalia as an adult. I don't know what he based this on. There are several doctors who have declared her a child with some variation. So my inclination is to believe that Natalia was a child passed around a lot. It's even possible that the orphanage said to her, just say you're a little younger, or I don't know if they had any role whatsoever in downplaying her age or downgrading her age, but I do think that she was a child with some variation. Let's put it that way. I don't know if she was Mm -hmm. seven years old or nine years old when she was adopted, but I think either way, she had a very rough start. And if she was lying about her age, it might have just been a mechanism for survival of a child, a child with severe disabilities. And I don't know that I would blame her so much. Now, clearly, if she's an adult, that's a whole different story. But I haven't really seen any proof other than what the Barnetts have reported. And I'm not sure I believe them entirely that she's an adult. And it made me think back to the Sherry Papini case because. I was thinking for me, I would rather, you know, you never, I would never want to disbelieve a potential victim. But if you recall, I said that in the Sherry Papini case, and then it turned (laughs) out in our update that Sherry Papini, in fact, was conning the system and she was not a victim. And I said, I believed her. So I don't know. I might be wrong here too. Now, let me ask you, even if she were an adult, Do you think that the family should be held responsible for abandoning a dependent who had special needs? That's a double-edged sword. And that's a tough question for me because if she was an adult and she was knowingly deceiving the family and acting as a child, I would be less likely to want to hold them responsible, even if they abandoned her as an adult because they were deceived. If they adopted a child and found out it was an adult and then at least attempted to set her up with some type of living situation, I don't know how much culpability I would uh, assign to them at that point. It would change things for me dramatically. I agree. And I also wonder if Natalia was, in fact, a child, which I also agree. I I lean more towards that direction, that Natalia was a child who was abandoned. Mm -hmm. Could she have survived living on her own for as long as she did? Like, my kids are 8 and 10, so they're a bit older, but... Would they even know not to put foil in the microwave or 
how to use the stove or the thermostat. That's the only part that gives me pause is if she was, in fact, a child. Like, we need to give her credit for being able to survive for as long as she did on her own. It's incredible. Sure. Yeah, I absolutely would. I think it's possible also from seeing the documentary. It makes me wonder how much was Michael a victim and maybe Christine was the master manipulator here? Who knows? Or is it possible that Natalia and her needs were just too much for them and it was holding them back and they needed to simply abandon her in order to reach their goals? I mean, this is an awful thing to imagine, but I think we need to consider all possibilities because, right. as I mentioned earlier, Christine and her son Jacob received a lot of media attention, both for her book and for him being a genius. Actually, Megan, I mentioned he did TED Talk, but Time Magazine also ran a story about him. 60 Minutes aired a segment on him, and both Christine and Jacob were on CNN, MSNBC, BBC. So they were receiving a lot of attention, and perhaps Christine felt that Natalia was just getting in the way of her newfound fame. Who knows? I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to a documentary in which Natalia can share her experiences and her side of the story. And I would even like to see Christine talk publicly. And I wonder if Christine's narrative would be any different than Michael's narrative now that time has gone by. I imagine she had some legal counsel who advised her not to speak because (laughs) the charges were dropped against her and anything she said might incriminate her. So I'd imagine that's why she kept quiet. Uh I don't know if we'll hear from her, but I cannot wait to hear what Natalia has to say directly from her. I'd like to hear her side of the story for sure. And you bring up a good point because Michael has already been acquitted by a jury. So exactly. He cannot be charged for those crimes anymore under double jeopardy. But Christine can. Exactly. That is a very good point, Megan. All right. So I think it's safe to say maybe the system did not get it right. Or what does right even mean? How do we even measure justice in a case like this? It's hard to say. But I think we could both agree that there needs to be better laws to protect children And there needs to be a little more scrutiny surrounding adoption and these adoption agencies. Had that agency done a more thorough job, maybe we wouldn't even be talking about this today. So, you know, hopefully we can see justice in this case, whatever that may look like. I would agree with you. It's not as clear cut in this one, but I look forward to seeing what the final outcome will be. Yes. And as always, we look forward to hearing from you all if you have thoughts on this case or any cases, really. Thank you again all for listening today. And we will catch you next time on Women in Crime. Women in Crime is hosted by Megan Sachs and Amy Schlossberg. Our producer and editor is James Varga. Music composition is by Dessert Media. If you enjoy the show, please remember to subscribe and leave a review. You can also support the show through Patreon, where you can get access to additional ad-free content such as virtual happy hours and an extra full-length episode each month. For more information, visit patreon.com slash women in crime. Sources for today's episode include People Magazine, BBC, OprahDaily.com, ABC, Dr. Phil, and The Curious Case of Natalia Grace on Investigation Discovery. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.